people people say that religion we'd be better like Richard Dawkins would say uh, we'd be better off without religion. That's such a see. That's something that you would say on Twitter, you know, with the limited character text that you have. Where, but it's like trying to hear out his point of view. I'm sure I would come to some common ground between what he's trying to say because little bits. There is a gray area there. You can't say the world would be completely better without it because you don't know how good it would be without it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know being here and trying to defend religion it's like well how do you know that you know the world would be worse without it you know so i i definitely think like i try to i I know what you mean man i've seen with people like i try to also communicate similar ideas that like although you know i may not be the most religious person you know i try to i try to become familiarized with some level of religious text mm-hmm. and ide- ideologies just become familiarized with it it's important shit man not to devote myself to it yeah and no, I, I don't devote or devote myself to it you I know? wouldn't want to do that either I mean like to blind line, blindly agree with some certain principle that you don't fully understand mm-hmm. when I, back when I was first you know exploring religions again um, I, I was thinking like oh, I'm not going to be able to be a Buddhist if I don't agree with every single thing in here you know and eventually i learned that like a true buddhist or you know a true awakened person would you know agree with what they want to agree with and i agree with the bible i agree with the message that it has i don't believe that um jesus turned water into wine and he you know put fish and, and all the nets for all the fishermen and, and those you know magical stories what I do believe is the archetypes there's there's a story in the Bible that I read recently I wanted to tell on this podcast it's um it, it relates to what Jordan Peterson says about saving your father from the belly of the whale yep so yep the story is it, it talks about Jonah and Jonah was told to go to the city of Nineveh I think that's how it's pronounced it was a wicked city of sinners and basically God told him to go and go to that city and tell them that they're stupid and wrong and immediately you know instead of challenging himself and challenging his conscience he went he ran away because he was scared so he, he hopped on a fair and I'm pretty sure he went east Um, and immediately God drew a storm up like giant waves crashing on the ship thunder and lightning and the passengers were saying who brought this upon us and and Jonah said it was I who brought brought this upon us so throw me overboard and God will you know soothe the storm out So, so that's what they did eventually they threw him overboard after persuasion and debate and Immediately, God let the storm fall, and, and what Jonah was trying to do was kill himself, because he he was afraid of challenging himself, you know. So immediately, God had this giant fish come out of the water and swallow him whole. So it's you know the archetype of the the infinite darkness, not the infinite darkness, but but the deep underbelly that we all go to that is anxiety and depression, you know. So. 
Jonah was thinking to himself the same way that that Geppetto was, was you know thinking in the belly of Monstro in Pinocchio that like maybe um, I made the wrong choice maybe I can be better and and he said God I will go to the city the wicked city of sinners and tell them that they're stupid and wrong so he spit him out and he went to the city and I mean the story it's a long story but you know that's the bare bones of it and you can see this archetype in so many things you can see it in Pinocchio as, as has been mentioned and um, you can see it in Star Wars as well you can see it in Return of the Jedi entirely because you have Luke Skywalker and and I was even talking with DJ about this idea and and DJ said DJ is a line cook where we work and DJ said that um, all, all Luke did to save his father was cry like a little bitch when Palpatine was, you know, hitting him with the lightning. Okay. Have you seen this movie? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, okay. yeah. I remember that's at the end. Yeah, the, the throne room fight, yeah. Yeah. But uh, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Yeah, and then Darth Vader, you know, throws Palpatine into the whatever, into the... The abyss. The, the reactor. Yeah, into the abyss, actually, mm -hmm. pretty yeah. much. Um, and so, somehow he survives later on in the story, which oh, is why it's don't kind even of, talk which is about why the story is ruined. Oh my god, it's it's not ruined to me. I, just, I mean, like in the, I don't care about any of that shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, dude, what you're. I never understood that story. Star Wars. No, no, the story of Jonah. As good as you just explained it. Um. And I've kind of understood that your anxieties trap you in a place where... You, Motionlessness. Yeah, there's no... You're just static. You don't... You're not improving. You've almost reached such a low that... Um, you you have to get out of... You mm -hmm. have to get out of it. And, and, and this is... Ex what you're talking about now is exactly what happened to Yoda and Obi-Wan. You know, the prequels aside... Like, like, pretend the prequels didn't exist. Okay. You'd have to imagine that Obi-Wan and Yoda saw what Anakin became and, um, and, and you know, were afraid of that because he was a mass murderer. He, he, partake, he partook in genocide um, of the Jedi. So, so like, whenever, whenever Luke says to Obi-Wan, I can't kill my own father... Then you know Obi Wan is you know just wallowing in defeat, like saying like the Emperor has already won, so there's nothing really we can do now. So they Yoda and Obi Wan, it's clear that they want him to kill Vader, his father, and Luke, even though he's never even known his father, like ever, you know it was revealed to him in such a traumatic moment after he cut off his his hand. Um, even though he hasn't known his father, Luke surrendered to him on Endor and right. in that scene um, it, it's shown that Luke accepts that he's his father and, and Luke is very mature and you know he's, he's something that a lot of people should pine to be and when he's talking to Vader Vader says um, it's too late for me my son and he's basically saying it's too late for me to change it's too late for me to be better than myself and you know eventually they get to the throne room and the fight, the fight, you know, the sword fight is between Vader and Luke, but 
The real fight, the real fucking fight is between Vader and himself. Well, that is very close, and and in, from that imper- interpretation, that's that's right as well. But it's it's really between Luke and Palpatine, which is also between like you know Luke and his father, you know that family dynamic and his father's demons. So you are right. So, and the fight immediately begins as soon as they step onto the platform where the Emperor is sitting. You know they're they're having this um these little insult ego war between each other saying like like you know um your friends can't right. reach us here right, right, you know right. the little evil banter but um but skip to the end of the fight or not skip to the end of the fight i'm sorry um th- throughout the fight luke is conflicted he's going he's going through the motions of reason and intuition and the intuition is this primal rage against his father that a lot of us have um, because our father won't change. Um, when he kicks Vader down the stairs, he, you know, he says, I will not fight you. I am tired of this fighting. We just need, I just want to help you. And, you know, Vader, you know, because he's toying with, with Luke the entire fight, he feels like he can crush him. But he hasn't realized that Luke has become a more mature intuitive person right you know he's he's no longer naive he feels like you really can change his father and bring him to the light so when when they're under the platform vader you know luke's hiding from him and vader's taunting him he's like he's getting into his thoughts yeah and and luke is thinking of his sister like what's going to happen to his sister if he dies and and vader senses that he says well if you won't turn to the dark side then maybe she will and that's when Luke fucking lets loose. And a lot of people are like, well, he looks like a fucking idiot swinging his lightsaber in that scene. It's like, no, that yeah. is perfect. Like, th- that's the like so amazing how Lucas captured Luke's rage in that scene. And, you know, eventually, after that emotional scene, he cuts off his hand and he realizes what he's become. He's becoming like his father. Right. You know, he, his father cut his hand off and then he you know got revenge on his father and and that that cutting off of the hand it's as if to say wake up you foolish old man this the archetype for ultimate evil palpatine has been controlling you since you were a child you know putting in when the prequels because you know anakin's only father figure was palpatine after qui-gon died so you know this manipulated young man is it's, it's very tragic you know it's evil and tragic and um yeah no it's you're right about it and all that most you know and, and it's such a great story how i don't think a lot of people really understand that when they see the movie and they just think of the hero's journey aspect of it mm-hmm. but it goes so much deeper than that yeah and lucas uh or go ahead the, the reason i say you know Vader was in a fight with himself was because he was choosing over, you know, the devil and the angel, or the demon and the angel, which right. is, you know, Luke or, or, uh, um, his master. You know, or Palpatine, which, yeah. which he had cho- which he had faced once before when he himself lost his own hand to Obi-Wan when he was, when he was faced, you know, at the end of this, uh, the, uh, a little uh, interesting thing is um, 
when George Lucas first conceived of Star Wars, the first thing he wrote down was the lava battle. And what happened at the end was, was um, Anakin was, you know, hanging off the edge of the inside of a volcano. And Obi-Wan, you know, he, he didn't help him in the original, in the, the final script. But instead of, you know, walking away in kind of like, you know, agony... He pried Anakin's lightsaber out of his hand, like, so coldly, and just walked away and let Anakin fall. Or, I don't remember what happened, but he definitely didn't fall, because how else would he survive, you know? But. I mean, he kind of, that's kind of what happened in the movie. It's um, very similar. The Revenge of the Sith. I mean, you know, he, he, was, he was left to burn in lava, and yet, well, somehow he did survive. Mm-hmm. But Obi-Wan just walked away. Yeah. Um, it's heartbroken. Yeah, and exactly. And it, like a father to a child, heartbroken. And when you were saying earlier about his anxieties of Luke not being able to kill his father and not being able to finish what Obi-Wan should have probably started, or should well, did start, but should mm-hmm. have finished. Yeah. Um, he had his own fears about what would happen if somebody else you know, let, let Vader, you know, do what he, just let him be and not, not taking care of him. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, you remember at the end of the fourth movie or the A New Hope where Obi-Wan tries to reason with Vader once more and Vader ends up killing him. Yeah. Well, he, um, he said, if you strike me down, I will become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. And the power was helping Luke, you know become and be, yeah yeah and realizing his potential and yeah helping luke in the i don't know the force world of spirits or something but but what we're getting at with this idea is it's been mentioned before but i, I think i should make it clear is jonah and luke were were posed with the angel and the demon and the demon is um defying your destiny and if you don't like the word destiny we can say defying your conscience and you know, going into anxiety. Yeah, and your conscious is what your conscious is what you know is right. Yes, and and it's it's reason and it's rationality. Luke did did something completely moral, but he also did he also was able to control the evil within him. It's exactly what Jordan Peterson talks about. Um, you know, he almost killed his father, but. In the end, he put himself in a vulnerable position, you know, after once again saying, I will not fight, you know, and then Palpatine nearly kills him. But then Vader sees what's really going on. There's someone that really cares about him. For And it's been, like, I'm, you can get into legends and canon, but we're going to stay in the fucking movies, all right? Um, in a way, Luke rescues his father from the abyss. Yes. And brings him back to life. Mm-hmm. And, well, it's kind of ironic because he ends up dying, but he dies in peace. No, that's okay, because if you remember, after after he saves Vader, and Vader saves himself... Be, first, I need to mention this, is if if Luke would have killed the Emperor, um, like, by, like, you know, himself, then Vader would not have been able to release his demons. Vader had to be the one to do it. Exactly. You know? Because, but, because Vader was controlled... By the Emperor. Yes. Vader needed the motivation to do it, and he eventually did. And what you were saying earlier, you know, cut to um, when he took 
his mask off, when Luke took his mask off, um, he says, Vader asks him to do it, and he says, but you'll die, and Vader says nothing can stop that now. It, it's like when when you face your demons, it, it's not really true in all people, but but sometimes people unlock the ability to face death and accept it, and that's exactly what Vader did because he died a peaceful death, as you said. Exactly. You know, I, He just wanted to look at his son with his own eyes. In, in a new light, in a, in a, as a new man. Yes. As the man that he once was. And, and there's something that I, that, I always, that I always stand by Star Wars. People can be like, oh, it's fucking nerdy. It's the nerdiest thing ever. And it really kind of is if you look at it on the surface. But George Lucas studied psychology, mythology, biblical archetypes. And, and he did it so well that it's enough to make you cry, man. Like that, that end of that movie is so moving. And then you see, you see Anakin and Yoda and Obi-Wan and at the end sitting on, I think that was the revised version because that came out after the prequels. Remember because Anakin, Christian Haydenson or whatever wouldn't have, well, they had a different guy. Uh, yes. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. 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 Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I forgot. To, I forgot. It's, it's about okay, that. dude. I Go forgot. I, I, you're right about it. I completely forgot. I, I forget what he looks like. He's like, He's kind of just like a middle-aged he's, dad. He's kind of like a bald guy. Yeah, there. he's like a, little a middle-aged bit bald. dad. Yeah. But in in the end, in that scene, um, you know, Yoda and Obi-Wan and even Anakin are, are looking at him and saying like, well, I guess he really didn't need to kill him. You know, right. He, he did something that we were afraid to do. And that's a perfect example of showing it and not saying it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because he... You, if they had said that in the movie, it would have been, um, it would have been of less value to the audience, I think, understanding the story because a story shouldn't have to explain itself. Yeah, and and, and like people, you know, people, ever since the Bible was conceived, people have been trying to figure out the deeper meanings in it. So like, even in East of Eden, by John Steinbeck, you know, like. There, there are certain scenes where they're trying to, you know, um, depict the Bible in their own eyes. And thou mayest. Yes, thou mayest. Uh, thou, thou mayest is, um, it means you may triumph over sin. And this is exactly what Jonah did, you know. Um, you have the opportunity. Yes, you always have the opportunity. I forget which version of the Bible that's in. It might be in the King James version. Wasn't it in Hebrew? Yes, it was. It was the Hebrew version of the Bible. Because the Hebrew word timshel means thou mayest. Yes, in timshel, yes. And and the word thou mayest comes from the Cain and Abel story where Cain kills his brother because, his brother Abel, because he's jealous of his brother because God liked his sacrifice more than him. Exactly, yeah. And... Doesn't it go as, as God, um, Cain asks for his forgiveness and what he can do about it, and, and God gives, says Tim Shell? Yes, that's and what says, he says. And says, well, and some people refer to it as, well, you could, you could do something about it, or you can do something about it, um, or you will do something about it. But the act, the actual translation that they figured out at towards the end of the book, spoilers, I the East of guess, Eden. Yeah, yeah, well, it's it's thou mayest. Mm-hmm. Thou may do, is allowed to do it. Like thou may, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that that was 
pretty central theme to the book. Yeah, you you have to fight. Even even if you're in an oppressive government, you have the free will. The free free will. The potential is is within all people to do what they want. And I don't know if if Cain eventually did that when he was sent to the land of Nod. That's where God sent him after he killed his brother. But um but you always have the the option to do better and and that is the fundamental idea in every story it, it's it's seen in so many great stories man i mean it, it was seen in 1984 when winston was was sat down in room 101 to be tortured and winston chose you know chose to to uh, as you know he um, Spoiler alert! Right, he gave up and and said that don't torture me, torture the one that I love most, which yeah. was his his kind of lover. And what happened in, in in that scene is is while they were torturing him, the, the final torture method they used was his um, biggest fear, rats. His yeah. biggest anxiety, rats. Which he would have, which he he was never able to overcome. And was it rats? Yeah, it was rats. Okay. Yeah, they they had a cage of rats that they would have put on his head, and, and he would have died from it. And weren't they gonna dig? Weren't they gonna light a fire on the other end of the cage, and then the rats would dig yeah, through his stomach? Something like that. Yeah. No, it wasn't through his stomach. It was on his head. Oh, it was through his but, head. But yeah, okay. they would somehow or another just get the rats to um, eat it, eat him, and uh, they're carnivorous, you mm-hmm. know. And that was his biggest fear. And he said, "No." You know, no. The love of my life, Julia, torture her. Yeah, let let her be tortured, and that last ounce of hope was was all gone for him to um, become somebody who stood against the uh, tyranny of the totalitarian government. But you know, and that's so. It's not really a hero's journey kind of story. It's not at all. Which is, you know, it's in my eyes, it's just a story about an average guy mm. who. Were, you know, lived in this totalitarian government and who wanted to make a stand against it, but ultimately couldn't. He ultimately couldn't because of because of those because of his lack of uh, because of his fears and his anxieties oh, yeah. and and being controlled by them. Those fears and anxieties were perpetrated by the government, but you know, he eventually succumbed to them because of because he chose to hmm. he chose to give up and and live in peace and live in the government that they had set up but i really want to mention how this can apply how all of what we've talked about can apply if, you know if anybody's having at least a little bit of trouble trying to understand but how it could apply to everyday life and the individual and how facing your any anxiety, no matter how big or small it is, um, can be um, can be making uh, how, how should we say a this? pretty bad impact on your your mental state. Yes, your mental state and being controlled by those fears. And you know, I've always, you know, and, and you know, I'm I'm a teenager. You know, we're both pretty young guys, and yeah, still we, figuring shit out. We're still yeah, we're still figuring a lot of shit out, but. I've had, you know, when I was younger, a lot of anxiety, and I've always, you know, tried to overcome it and tried to, you know, 
feel comfortable in, in a lot of different situations. And, you know, I've been better at that, especially the past, you know, a uh, few years. But yeah, man, when I when I was younger, shit, man, I really was controlled by my anxiety. It was pretty bad for me, too, dude. Like, if I compare myself to two years ago, I was pretty fucking anxious, man. Still am, but but uh, it was really bad then. Yeah, and it, it controls you in such a way that you freeze up. Mm-hmm. You freeze up at a situation and you can't... You have no room to grow. Mm-hmm. And thus, you you atrophy. It's like what, uh, what Yoda said, man. He said um, something along the lines of, uh, if you don't face your fears forever will they dominate your destiny they, they'll dominate your yeah, conscience right you know right and you're letting those anxieties dominate you and and your anxieties are irrational it's your monkey brain talking to you you know but your conscious brain knows what it's doing i mean any anxiety whether it's you know a fear to fail a test that in the long run doesn't actually have such a huge impact on on the way your life is going but yeah you're you're afraid to face the immediate impact mm-hmm. you know a lot of people face social anxiety um and you know the fear of you know social you know because we are social animals and our monkey brain tells us that you know being social is is very good for our survival i, I do believe it is and yeah we need build, to be but you you have to start by saying you know by controlling yourself and telling yourself to to handle handle yourself well you know and 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 not uh, freeze up and, and know what to do in, in a lot of different social situations, mm-hmm. the social situations that matter. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know that's definitely helped me a lot. A lot. And so and I, yeah, I do. You know I, I am. But I've never understood it so deeply as as to what you just explained. After what this. Um, well, the best way to like. What Jordan Peterson said is, what we're talking about is archetypes in the unconscious, unconscious, and this is something that Carl Jung studied. He was a pupil of Sigmund Freud, and Jordan Peterson said the best way to understand types of people like this and their studies is through narratives, like The Lion King, Star Wars, Pinocchio, any any great Disney movie. You know, like like I haven't seen Frozen. But I, I'm almost positive that, that it goes against like these these human archetypes and these examples of human behavior. So I just say I'm I'm with Jordan on this. Um, that movie is appalling, and it is uh, fucking stupid. It's 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 um, I've seen it when I was uh, when I was nine. So I don't, to my discredit, I, I don't you know understand it um, that well. I don't remember it that well, but. From what I think it could be about is just kind of a a reality, a sort of false narrative about challenge and and perseverance. What do you mean a false narrative? I mean because it, I don't want to say false, but um, different narrative hmm. to to a way of, of taking on a challenge of. Um, persevering through one, but like I said, I, dude, I can't. I I don't remember. I don't remember that. But um, that that would be, be something that I guess if I was interested, I could look into again and, and watch. 
that. But you know, shit. I, what you should watch is The Lion King because yeah, uh, that yeah. is incredible, man. I watched it recently on. Uh, thank God for Disney Plus, dude. All yeah, the good stuff God. in one spot. Yeah, for like, the most part. But not not every Disney movie is on there. Yeah, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Well, when I watched The Lion King, uh, again after you know like. 15 years yeah sure yeah yeah <laughs> I, I liked it a lot it's one of my favorites now um, you know, Simba is just this little naive young boy and um, and eventually you know just, just to skip through the movie he um, he goes he meets uh, Timon and Pumbaa these, these two heretics or not heretics um, what was uh, the philosophy of Epicurus hedonism they were hedonists, only you know, um, taking part in pleasure. They were living in an Eden, just eating bugs, yeah, and whatever they could find, and it was it was fucking paradise for them. Trying to get as euphoric as they can. Yeah, and and that's Eden, that that that's Eden for, like like Adam and Eve, that story. Like living in the Garden of Eden and, yeah. and living off the fruit and being freeloader and shit like that. Yeah, and Jordan Peterson says this as well, where. Um, there is a time for that in your life. Not not their age, though. There, there's a time where you can be Peter Pan and have all these, like, imaginations and, and be childish. And But what I'm, what I'm saying is you need to give yourself a challenge. And that's exactly what Nala does, his childhood friend in The Lion King, when, when Nala is, is telling him that he's a fool. And he is a fool because... Because he's avoiding his problems, just just like um, you know, just like those two, um, what the, what, what, who are they called? T- Simba and or no, Timon Not, and yeah, Pumbaa. exactly, yeah, yeah, just like them. Yeah, you know, Kuna Matata, no worries, and, and that that quote has you know it has merit, but you need to have somewhere you need to, you need to have people depending on you need to help people. Um, and, and what Nala does is is basically call him an idiot without calling him an idiot. You know, the the kingdom has been taken over by a psychopathic tyrant. You know, his his older brother, or not his older brother, his um, uncle, his uncle Scar. And and uh, if you remember from the movie, the shaman has a vision, the baboon. Yeah. And and if you don't know what a shaman is. Um, I advise you look that up. It's just like a spiritual uh, kind of leader. Yeah, it's it's like a precursor to cognitive behavioral therapy, um, which is talk therapy. And the, the shaman comes around and and basically puts Simba through a psychedelic trip in 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 some kind of way where he he's seeing um, his faults and, and he's he's seeing that he needs to overcome the tyranny of himself, which is, that sounds stupid. Uh, he needs to overcome the tyranny of Scar and free his people. Yeah. Free his friends. And he eventually does that. And that also shows that, well, you know, Jordy, Jordan Peterson said that, I mean, this is a little off topic, but it does relate to the Lion King, about how, you know, Simba has to... Um, rise up to the uh, the place of his father right mm-hmm. and when his father dies there is a time where 
he has to grow up, you know, in his father's stead. And he does think about his father and, and compare himself to the great man he was. But his ultimate challenge is taking down Scar, or is facing Scar. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the movie, obviously Simba replaces his father. Yes. And he himself becomes a man. Where, um, and he is a child, which is uh, in The Lion King 2, which I've never seen. Oh, okay. Um, but... Uh, that that's something that Jordan Peterson relates to being being the taking care of yourself mm-hmm. and being ready for when your father dies. Yes. And the best way to take care of yourself as has been the fundamental principle we're talking about or one of them is being able to be moral as well as being evil but being able to control that evil because you can't win a battle. You can't win a war by being completely moral. Because because then that'll just be exploited. Any kind of battle, any kind of challenge. Yes, and, and Simba's father, Mufasa, was exactly that. He, you know, you see him as this, this well-postured lion, this well-postured man who is very friendly with everyone, but he's very direct and he's very stern as well. And he has the ability to, yeah, especially when Simba uh, runs away. Yeah. Um, and uh, in the beginning of the film, but he he is like that, even though uh, he can destroy or or defeat anybody there in any kind of uh, fight. Mm-hmm. You know, and where that means something in in their world, it's um, you know that's the kind of that's the kind of thing that's important, and he's able to do that. But um, he wasn't able to defeat Scar. And I don't right. know if you know this, but um, the way that that like these really moralistic and, and good governments fall is, is by the king, Mufasa, um, forgetting by either repressing or suppressing the idea that the brother... Scar, which is the archetype for the tyranny of the state, will overthrow him eventually. And this is what happens when apprentices overthrow their masters in Star Wars. It happens all over narratives and, and stories. And, and it's, it's, it's the idea happened. of betrayal. Yeah. And, 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 and power. The fall, the fall of the kingdom happens because the king forgets how to deal with the evil within it. And that also con- uh, connects with being a leader, and being no matter at what level you are at being a leader, earning leadership, and maintaining it. It's in constant maintenance. You always have to be a leader, or else, you know, the uh, the people who follow you will have other motives and other directions that they want to travel in. Yes. You know, um, and that's why it's so admirable to be a good leader. And mm-hmm. it's so uh, intoxicating to... Or not... I'm sorry, that's a wrong word. Uh, it's so... Seems so beneficial following someone who you believe in, who knows what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? Who, mm-hmm. who is a good leader. Yeah, um, it's intoxic. I guess it would be intoxicating if you got power as a leader, and it could be. And 
and it could be, uh, you know, it could be uh, devastating towards your leadership performance, right? But, yeah. Um, uh, That's why I, I admire the the leadership at work. I admire Chef Chris, Chef Steve, and Chef Dan as well. Um, I don't know if there's any the archetype of the the evil state at Cherry Creek, but but um, they're they're definitely able to control that evil within themselves, which is what Scar is the evil within Mufasa. You know, they're they're professional. They um, they really know how to get. They don't really have time for bullshit. You know yeah, it, even Cody, dude. Cody doesn't. Cody is is fucking like pragmatic, and he he knows what he's doing, man. Yeah, I I will give him that as well. He's he's uh, his job. He's very competent, like, mm-hmm. and he he's uh, he's very uh, follows the rules very well and mm-hmm. gets his stuff done. He knows what he's doing so well that. He, he he has the skill of like you know directing people and telling them what to do right and and, and it, again it's hard to learn leadership and that you know just being able, just being competent and knowing what you're doing mm-hmm. is doesn't often mean you will be a good leader and some leaders throughout history often don't even know what they're doing yeah you know what I'm saying but they they do have you know, some sort of goal that they're working towards on a grand scale. Yeah. But, you know, either way, like like we just wanted to mention that on, on such small scales, leadership can be um, valued. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, so we got, what, four minutes here? Yeah, we do. A little less than four minutes, so... God, this time flew by really fast, man. It did, yeah. I, I, fe- I feel like we, we touched very well on, on that central topic of... Um, Going into the belly of the whale and emerging. Yes, and just just to close on that idea, um, what Jordan Peterson says is to quote: "You get to pick your stand, your damn sacrifice. You don't get to not have one. You have to challenge yourself to do things. This is exactly what Jonah did, and Luke did, even Vader did. So you get to pick it. You don't get to just live in Eden." Right, you have the freedom to choose. Thou mayest. Exactly. Um, no, that's it's a great theme, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I think next episode, uh, we don't know for sure if we're gonna have another guest on, but we're definitely gonna try. Yeah, we're sorry we didn't have uh, Chef Dan on with us today. He he couldn't make it. Yeah. Short notice. And that's okay. Yeah. Because it is. he's you know. We're always going to have another opportunity to, uh, to, to do that. And I mean, I'm not. I don't want to use it as an excuse to be like, "All right, well, we'll get to it when we get to it." But yeah, <laughs> you know, obviously, I'm not. We're not in control of other people's schedules. And that, that's definitely okay. When when things happen, opportunities arise. Exactly. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting. I, I want to interview. We want to get so many people on. Yes. But we have to start somewhere, and and just doing this in general is. Even this podcast alone, I, I'm, I'm, I look back on it and, and reflect on it. No matter if I feel good or bad about it, you know, it's mm-hmm. I'll look back on it and I'll be able to because we recorded it. Have you listened to to your thoughts recorded on the first one? Yeah, yeah, I did. As well. I did a little bit. I didn't watch. I didn't listen to the whole thing to be honest. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, only because I just I don't think I'm ready to re-listen to it. Um, give it give it a little time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. So. Any closing thoughts? Um, well, the last thing I want to say is we have we have three guests lined up. We don't know when they're going to be on. We have Chef Dan, obviously. We also yep. have Jake Weber lined up. He's a really interesting cat, historian type. Um, we also have a friend of mine that I've known since kindergarten. His name is Dan. and uh, Dan like Chef Dan? Yeah. But they're okay. not the same person, though. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> But he he recently had um, a revelation. He was uh, he was down in the dumps for a while, but but now he's out and about, and he's he's doing shit, man. He's uh, I'm proud of him. That's great. Yeah, I I'd be I'd be actually interested to talk to him as well. Hell yeah. Um, okay. Well, we'll see you guys maybe what later this week, next week. Yeah, we could do one this week maybe. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure out a time. <laughs> yeah, all right, well, tune in next time, y'all.